We're really excited to welcome longtime NFL assistant coach Kyle Kasky, who's been a guest on the show before. We are going to talk about the two humongous college football games this weekend, but we also want to talk a little NFL since that's where he spent most of his last 12 years. So Kyle, thanks so much for hanging out with us. I've become really fascinated by the ball control game that so many NFL teams are playing right now. The Eagles, 18 plays, eight minutes with the football. At the end, they're able to go for a touchdown and score on fourth down that kind of ball control is a game changer and we see it more and more with teams in the nfl now right yeah and uh, the biggest thing about holding the ball and and being able to ball control is a lot of these teams that run all this this up-tempo pass game if you just keep the ball the ball away from them and you you talk about these teams that want to go two minute all the time and they, they 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 feel like they need to throw the ball all the time just run the ball and 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 have have the time of possession be, you know, thirty six minutes in your favor, and you'll win the game because you'll keep the ball away from them. That's how you beat those kind of teams, and I think that's what Philly's doing right now. And for them to be eight and zero, and and they don't play, they don't do anything spectacular. They don't do anything special. They just play football the way football is meant to be played. What else stands out about this team? Uh, because they certainly do have a lot of weapons, and the offense gets a lot of attention. But man, that defense has been really good too. Yeah, and, and they got a lot of guys that can that can really run to the ball. They got a lot of speed on that side of the ball. And you, when you look at the the front, I I don't know if Fletcher Cox got hurt in the game or not, but I, I know that he having guys like him up front, but then having guys like Darius Slay in the back in the back end. I didn't coach personally coach Darius Slay, but I was in Detroit with him for a little bit. And I got to see him firsthand in practice and, and all the things that that guy can do. And, I mean, all the guys they've got running to the ball, they, they, they have so much speed on that side of the ball. And then you then you go to the offensive side and, and you just look at, you know, Jalen Hurts just as a quarterback. He's really turned into a quarterback. And everybody thought he was just a runner. And he it, having him convert himself and, and grow and, and become a, a true NFL quarterback, being able to run an NFL offense, it, They've got something good going there. The bright light for Houston, even as they lose another game, is their rookie running back, Damian Pierce, who's out of Mm. Florida. He is fantastic. It seems like regardless of what he sees in front of him, he's able to create room, create space. What do you like about him as a former running – not a former. We're going to call you current running backs Uh, coach. You are a running backs coach. um, He had one run, and I want to say it was in the third or the fourth quarter. It was in the second half, and – he just kept every – it was almost like every single defender for, for Philadelphia hit him, and he didn't go down. He ended up running out of bounds. And right now he plays like he can't be tackled. And I think that a lot of times these young backs, they they don't know what they don't know yet, and they don't know when to go down. They don't know <laughs> how to not take a hit. And this guy just runs. And, I mean, he is – he's putting everything he has into it. And the fact that he – uh you know, has had so much success at this point, you know, as a fourth round draft pick out of, you know, out of Florida. And I don't, I don't even believe he was used all that much in Florida in the time. So he's got a you know, he doesn't have a whole lot of miles on him. So, I mean, this guy's got a bright future. 
We're spending a few minutes with one of our favorite guests, a longtime NFL assistant coach. Kyle Kasky is with us right now from Louisiana. So we're going to talk some college football coming up here after hours on CBS Sports Radio. Spent a lot of time with the Bengals, of course, a couple years with the Lions as a running backs coach, and most recently uh, last year with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They made a change to Doug Peterson. It was clear that he and Trevor Lawrence were speaking the same language, and it helped initially. They're back in kind of a tough hole with five consecutive losses. When a new coach comes in, obviously you're, you're you're bringing in your new system. And I know Doug Peterson wasn't out that long, but at the same time, he's he, he was out for a year. And so he came in with some new ideas and those new ideas hit early and they, they had some success. And now they've just got to find a way to use the new talent that they've got, because there's a lot of talent on that Jacksonville team that wasn't there last year. Christian Kirk, those kind of guys, you know, they, they, they got Travis Etienne back uh, that. I mean, that kid's been doing some spectacular things for for Jacksonville this year. And we knew he could do it, but he was hurt last year. And he, to get Trevor Lawrence just kind of into a flow of, listen, you don't have to make every play. You've got to just make sure that your guys can make the plays when you get them the ball. Because as a quarterback, your job is to get the ball to your playmakers. And I think once he kind of gets into his, his flow with Coach Peterson and – allows that to happen because they do have some some playmakers and Marvin Jones is still there um you know I mean they, they've got some guys that they can get the ball to but I think he's just got to settle down a little bit were you surprised that they allowed James Robinson to go to New York a little bit uh I, I texted a couple guys that I still I'm still close to down there I said what what happened there and they said well TJ Travis uh, Travis ET and they call him TJ down there um so he they were like he he's doing a good job and uh, it was just kind of one of those things where uh, th- there was some value to him, and and they found they found a way to get him up there. But for for him to be traded to the Jets, uh, you, you know, you go from two and five to five and two, and I think that's going to be good for a guy like James. And James Robinson doesn't doesn't talk. He, he's one of those guys that he just he comes to work. He literally when I say he literally doesn't talk. <laughs> Yeah, he he comes to work and he does his thing, and you almost have to force him to talk to you. But he 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 is he's that focused into it, and I think that's the reason he's become what he has become from you know an undrafted free agent and everything. And uh, it'll be good to see what he can do with the Jets. Mm, they definitely need someone after losing Brees Hall. The majority of your time in the NFL so far has been spent with Cincinnati. So you were there for nine years in a variety of offensive roles, including running backs coach. And I got to tell you, you were one of the first people I thought of when I was watching them against the Cleveland Browns. We were just talking about ball control, and Cleveland had a plus 15 margin in time of possession, which is astounding. But they want to run the ball. They use Nick Chubb. They try to keep it away from Joe Burrow and on Monday night it was extremely successful however Bengals have also lost Jamar Chase know you're you're there in Louisiana you're real familiar with that combination in LSU so what stood out about that particular game and how they couldn't get their offense started well it's it's not by chance that I said 36 minutes of possession because I believe that's what Cleveland had the other day yes and I actually call in three times a week in Cincinnati to some radio stations there. So I still help those guys out and cover cover the Bengals a little bit. And my time in Cincinnati was great. And I, I love the people there. And I, it was cool to see them last year become what they become, be, became and, and a, you know, a Super Bowl team and all that. But here's the thing. That team has got to just understand that their players are good. They're, they got 
they got top level talent on that team and not just the receivers, not just uh, the quarterback. They've got Joe Mixon. They've got, they've got some offensive linemen that if they, if they just continue to use them correctly, uh, the run game can get going, but that's the problem. You have 36 minutes of possession and you're not, that means you're not running the ball. You're not, you're not running the clock. And uh, one of the things they did this past week when Jamar Chase went out, uh, as compared to the weeks before, the weeks before against Atlanta and New Orleans, uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, you could see the connection. You could see the back shoulder throws. You could see the, the kind of the the when they would look over at each other and they would see each other and they would, you know, you could see the the adjustments being made, and they would get the ball to to Jamar and Jamar would make things happen. Because uh, he won the game in New Orleans with a big touchdown, he had another big touchdown in Atlanta where he just caught a, you know, a ten yard route and right. ran for fifty. But with him being out, those other guys have got to step up. And if you go look at the routes they're running, it's the same routes they ran against Atlanta the week before, but they weren't connecting to Tyler Boyd. They weren't connecting to T Higgins. They weren't connecting to, you know, Mike Thomas, the other kid that came in for Jamar Chase. They were trying to dump the ball off to Joe Mixon, but. They have to. They have to just know we are the better team. We have better players than the team we're playing, and dictate to the defense that we're about to just come up. We're coming at you today, and not worry about trying. You know, trying to make up for somebody that's not there. And when they figure that out, and when Joe Burrow figures out that, listen, I can trust these other guys too because they're just as good. Uh, you know, that that's when they'll really take off. While Kyle is taking a sabbatical from coaching, he started a YouTube channel where he's doing film breakdowns. They're extensive. Everything from the explosive LSU offense to trying to answer the question of whether or not Bama can stop LSU. And we're going to let him answer that question. But first, what's it like to be there under the lights, Kyle, for a game at LSU? I, well, number one, the the night game at LSU is made from the day bef- the day of the game. And it's it's not the fact that the game is at night; it's the fact that everybody has had all day to oh, hang no. out outside the stadium <laughs> and get ready for the game. It has nothing to do with the game being at seven or you know seven thirty at night. These people will be just out of their minds by the time <laughs> it happens. So I'm going to tell you a little story. My dad played at A&M, played at Texas A&M, uh, just like I did. And uh, his first game he ever started was in 1960. And it was at LSU in Tiger Stadium in 1960. And the one thing he told me about the the experience of coming to Tiger Stadium was it smelled like whiskey when you came out of the tunnel. <laughs> And I'm going to tell you right now, it still smells like whiskey when you come out of the tunnel. So these people are ready to roll. I've actually only been to one tailgate so far, and it was the New Mexico game, uh, which was a 6 o'clock game, I believe. And I'm just telling you, even for the New Mexico game this year was was crazy. We're going to – my wife and I have plans. We don't have tickets yet to the game, uh, but we're, we're working on that. But we're going tailgating for sure. So uh. we're going to go see what's going on with the Alabama fans out there and see how they, they get treated by the LSU faithful. I feel like you should have an in there, Kyle. I don't think that should be too difficult to get into the stadium. Yeah, it's it, we'll get if we'll get in. I'm not worried about that. Uh oh, Kyle's about to be sneaking into a stadium. You did not hear it here. All right, Kyle. So one of your recent film breakdowns tries to answer the question of whether or not Bama can stop LSU. You also did a film breakdown of the Alabama offense. So uh, for those of us who you know don't break down coaching film for a living. What are a couple of keys when you think about this matchup? 
All right, so when you look at LSU's offense, the the last couple of games they've kind of hit their stride. They've they've figured out that the RPO game, uh, the the quick game of just getting the ball to Kayshawn Butte and uh, Malik Neighbors and their receivers, and, and just getting getting the ball to their their playmakers and letting them go, as opposed to um, just you know letting the quarterback drop back and then run which they were doing early in the year. So they're, they're finding ways to quickly get the ball out. And I think that's a key against Alabama's defense because, uh, you know, I mean, Alabama's, Alabama's defense is going to come at you. They, they've got some edge rushers that, uh, you, you know, are, are, are top-notch. They're probably, you know, top 10 picks that are coming at you. And uh, when, you're, when you're looking at Alabama's defense and you think about Nick Saban, Nick Saban he's going to try to take away what you do best. Well, what are they doing best? It's getting the ball out quick. Mm. So they're going to do everything they can to force them to have to throw it over their heads or run it against them as opposed to just throwing it quick to get their to get to uh to get to their playmakers. So that'll be interesting to see if LSU can get the run game going and then Obviously, to see if they can get a couple shots deep on the on their on their uh, DBs, and then when you flip it around, and you're talking about LSU's defense against Alabama's offense, and Bryce Young, obviously Heisman Heisman Trophy winner, uh, but they they got a they got Gibbs number one, the running back, uh, the, the kid's special. Um, you know they've got they've got their re- their receivers aren't necessarily as explosive as they've been in the past, but they're explosive enough. Okay. There's, there's still four and five star players. So it's not like they're, you know, they just don't have the, the, the Jamison Williams and, and those guys that they've had in the past. But uh, what they're going to end up doing is they're going to run the ball. They're going to run it until they can't run it honestly, <laughs> against against LSU. Mm-hmm. And, and then once, once they do that, then it becomes the uh, Bryce Young can scramble. He can, he can make things happen. There's a couple plays where he he literally will scramble to the right all the way to the numbers. He'll scramble all the way back to the left to the numbers and scramble back to the middle and then throw a pass. And it's like, how did he even do that? But that's what that makes him what he is. And uh, LSU has a player. His name is Harold Perkins. He's number 40. And I'm, I'm going to throw this kid's name out there because I think everybody needs to understand who this kid is because – They've got it. They they've got another defensive end, B.J. Ojolari, number eighteen, and they've got Ali Gay, number eleven. But they this kid, number forty, he's a freshman, a true freshman. I don't even know if the kid's not even nineteen years old yet, and he might be the most explosive player on the field for this game. So keep an eye on number forty for LSU's defense because he 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 makes plays every time he's on the field. He creates havoc with with the pass rush. He's a spy on the quarterback. I mean, this kid's all over the place. He, he he's going to be. I can guarantee you this. In about three years, when he comes out to the NFL, uh, he'll be a top five pick. Kyle Kasky is with us here after hours on CBS Sports Radio right now from Louisiana, where he plans to get into the stadium somehow for Alabama mm-hmm. and LSU. All right, so that brings us to number one Tennessee. First time the Vols have been in the top four in the college football playoff system. They lead the country in scoring. More than 49 points per game. They've had at least 34 points in every game, and they're on a tear right now, but they're going up against a Georgia team that's known for its defense. Now, they did lose a bunch of guys on their defense to the NFL in the first round last year, but they are still very stingy. Something's got to give, Kyle. What is it? 
First off, just because Georgia loses some players to the NFL doesn't mean that there's not another 10 NFL players <laughs> for next year just waiting right behind them. So uh, yeah, here's the thing about Tennessee. If you haven't watched Tennessee play, you've got to tune in and watch Tennessee play for, for this reason alone. They are the fastest offense I have ever seen. And I thought Auburn about five or six years ago was the fastest offense I'd ever seen. You know, you know, no, this group goes so fast. And what they do is they they put so the college numbers are are really wide. They're wider than the NFL numbers. These receivers stay out on those numbers. So you've got your five linemen, your quarterback and your running back in on the hash, and you've got your four receivers. I mean, dang, they're standing on the sideline and it opens the field up so much and they go so fast that it doesn't allow you to necessarily set up a exotic defense. So uh, they're, they're, they're using the space of the field against the defense. And, but, and again, they're using the speed of their, of their play calling to even add to it. So when you, when you watch them, watch how many times they throw the ball in between the numbers and the hash and, and at, at like six yards deep and then to go run. I mean, that's what they do because there's so much space that they've created just in the alignment of their offense. And then, you know, with Georgia, Georgia's going to score points. Uh, you know, Stetson Bennett's actually become a good uh, – not that he wasn't a good quarterback. But <laughs> I, I believe he's progressed quite a bit from, you know, the, the guy that you saw last year that – People kind of thought he was just kind of riding the coattails of a good team. He, he's actually going in there. He's part of that good team now. So uh, it'll be interesting because Tennessee's defense has had some issues too. Now, as much as many points as they're scoring, they've been giving up some points too. So you're looking at a high-scoring game. So it, it'll be one of those ones. Uh, you know, it could could come down to whoever has the ball last. I know that people talk about the difference in the atmospheres between the NFL and college football. Man, as we were talking about home field advantages earlier this week, a lot of people were pointing to various college fields and college stadiums, and certainly they're going to be on display this weekend. Yeah, this weekend for sure, because you're talking about having uh, two top 10 matchups, like legit two top 10 matchups, one in the West, one in the East of the SEC. I love I love the NFL. I, if I get back in, when I get back in, that's what I want to do. I want to coach the NFL. I, I love that level, but the the atmosphere of a college game can't be matched. When when you're talking about people who went to school at this school, and that's that's what that's why they're there in the stands, and their allegiance to that school is is nothing like the allegiance to an NFL team somewhere. And they are hardcore. I mean, they are into it. The message boards are going crazy. The the internet just goes nuts. I mean, all these talk shows go nuts, and it's it's just uh, it's a lot of fun to watch the college side of it. You know, as a guy who's been in the NFL for a long time, I will say that the the atmosphere at LSU, the atmosphere at Texas A and M, and I know I sound like a homer, I get it, but when those two teams are doing well and and getting going. Uh, it's hard to match. It's hard to match when you've got over a hundred thousand people in the South and at, at LSU and it's warm, it's warm all year long. You, Cause like Michigan, you get a hundred and 105,000 people, but it's cold there. I'm sorry, but I mean, there's a point where you just kind of gotta, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the excitement goes away when you're, when you can't feel your hands, but you know, when it, when it's warm all year long and you come down here and, 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 
you know, you bring your team in, into somewhere like LSU or Georgia, you know, Alabama, but I'd say LSU right now because, I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of things in the last year that I had never seen before just living down here and seeing how these people are. I, I love it. I didn't grow up an LSU fan. Trust me, I went to Texas A&M. Um, I'm on the other side of it, but I, I live here now and I, I cover the, I cover the Tigers and uh, it, it's pretty cool to see how excited and crazy they get. Mm, absolutely. Cannot wait. Let's see. Lots of ways that you can connect with Kyle. First of all, on his Twitter at Coach Kyle Kasky. 12 years in the NFL, plus the college ranks. Now he's working on his Kasky's Clicker, which is not just college breakdown, but NFL film breakdown. It's fascinating stuff. I learn a lot. That link is on his Twitter as well. So good to catch up with you. We're going to do it again soon because we're right in the heart of college football, Kyle. Thank you. All right. Just let me know when you want me back.